Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Michael Hoggard continues his examination of the Phoenix Affair, and Dr. Kenneth Hill will offer encouragement from God's Word. The SWRC app is a great way to take Watchmen on the Wall with you. The SWRC app features this daily program and articles from teachers like Dr. Larry Spargimino and James Collins. Simply search SWRC on your smartphone or tablet and download the SWRC app today. James Collins and guest Michael Hoggard are back to continue their examination of claims of alien encounters by a Christian. One of the most famous cases of an encounter with UFOs and alien beings is the case of Betty Andreessen. Betty, who professes to be a Christian, claims to have experienced several encounters with extraterrestrials who she claimed were beings preparing the way for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. She even claimed that on four occasions she was taken to the One, a being that Betty says is God. But again, are the experiences of Betty Andreessen part of the strong delusion that we see coming on the last days. Joining me to talk about the experiences of Betty Andreessen is Pastor Michael Hoggard. Pastor Mike is the senior pastor of Bethel Church in Festus, Missouri. He is a frequent guest on our program and a longtime friend of our ministry. Pastor Mike, thanks for joining me again today on the program. Good to be with you and all the good people at Southwest Radio. Well, when we talked last time, we were talking about Betty Andreessen and her experiences. Now, you talked about her first experience being contacted with an extraterrestrial where she was touched between the eyes by a beam of light, a ball of light, if you will. But when Betty was 13, she had another encounter where she was taken to sort of an ice cave. Would you pick up her story from there? Yes. That first contact that she had when she had this sort of kundalini experience where she fell backwards, she was in a trance, she could hear voices in her head, and she believed that it was the gray alien that she saw speaking with another voice. And the voice said, she's too young, she's not ready yet, we'll wait a few years, and then we'll come back. She remembers hearing that. Well, in a few years later... They did come back. She was taken aboard. This is after multiple encounters that she's had with these greys. She even learned the name of the lead gray alien. I think it was Quasga or something like that, some weird name. Didn't she even give one of them a Bible? Yes, she did. And they handed her a book, and I've heard military testimonies of a similar book where you open the pages up and you get this 3D hologram of historic events that have happened on planet Earth. She claims to have seen that book and other people in the military have claimed to have seen that exact same book. That's weird Mm -hmm. stuff to me. Yes, she had these multiple encounters. She handed them a Bible. They told her at one point that Jesus is coming back, which is what she wanted to hear. And they gave her the impression that the one that they were going to take her to see was, in fact, Jesus. So after multiple encounters with these aliens, she goes 
on a ship. She goes to a strange world, but she describes it as an absolutely beautiful place. Trees and animals and creatures and butterflies. And she said it looks like everything is made of ice or crystal or glass. And then she describes this. And this blew me away, brother. She describes that she is taken to go see the one across a sea of glass. Now, when I read that, I just about fell out of my chair. That's Revelation chapter 4. It is. That's the holy ground that God's throne sits on. And we know what Lucifer said in Isaiah 14. We know what he said in Ezekiel 28. I will sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas. In Mm. Ezekiel 28. So here is already, here is the devil or the spirit of Antichrist or whatever, setting her up for this encounter with the one, for her to believe that it's God. She describes going through this ice cave, like you mentioned, and she sees all these coffin-like structures. And it has people in them, like in a state of frozen animation. And... They're sealed inside these glass coffins, and she describes them as people from throughout human history in a state of suspended animation, and she refers to it as the Museum of Time. And when she asked the aliens, and some of these aliens are gray, little small gray aliens. Some of them, I think one or two of them were large gray aliens. But then there was several of them that would pretty much match our description of what we believe angels look like. Tall, blue-eyed, long, flowing, blonde hair. These are called the Nordic aliens because they look like people from Scandinavia. She describes these angelic creatures all around her. She's taken through this ice cave, and she says, where am I going? They said, we're taking you home. So they take her through this glass cave. She sees this. It's sort of hard to describe. She drew a picture of it in her book, and I show this in the video, and I'm looking at the picture now. It seemed like a very large, long, narrowing hallway of multiple glass doors that she had to go through. Now, she describes that before she goes in to see the one, and the idea was that the one, capital O, one, specifically asked for her to be brought to him. And so before she goes in to see the one, she steps forward, she turns around and looks, and her body is standing there. She says it looked like the people that she saw in suspended animation. So she steps out of her body and begins to walk down this hallway full of these glass doors, and disappears behind the door. Now, she's telling this experience in hypnosis. And later on, they start questioning her. Okay, what did you see? And she says, I can't tell you. Well, they said, well, describe the room you're in. And she said, I can't describe it. And they start pressing her. These hypnotists tried every way in the world to get the information out of her of, number one, 
the room that she was in or the location she was in. Number two, when she saw the one, what it was that she saw. Number three, what the one told her. And they tried for hours. They tried multiple sessions. They tried multiple ways of trying to get this information out of her. But she cannot let it go. There is something in her that is blocking this information from coming out of her. And again, like I said, they tried everything that they knew how to do. But she was blocked from speaking about this. Let me read just a little bit of the transcript that she gave in this book where she's describing going in to see the one. She's laying there on the couch, and as she goes into this room and she's describing it, she has this humongous, big smile on her face. And there's a picture of this in the book. The hypnotist, Fred Max, says, you seem happy. Why are you so happy? She said, I can't tell you about it. He said, all right, I know you can't tell me, but I want you to do a few things. I want you to ask yourself why you're being shown that which you're being shown. In other words, you weren't given this trip just for a free ride, so to speak. They want you to see what you're seeing. And she said, yes. And she said, it matters not what I get from it. He said, what do you mean? She said, words cannot explain it. It's wonderful. It's for everybody. I just can't tell you this. And again, they tried everything, and she could not tell what she was told inside that room or what she saw. Now, to my knowledge, Betty Andreessen is still alive. Mm -hmm. And to this day, she's never revealed what this entity called the one told her. But in the fourth book that she wrote, she drew an image of the one and God. And she has God the Father, she has God the Son, and then she drew God the Holy Ghost as a woman, as a female spirit. And then she drew an image of a sort of a bald-headed guy, looked like Aleister Crowley, to be honest with mm. you. And she refers to him as being the total embodiment of all that God is, making him the one true God. Now, this phrase, the one, like I said yesterday, it's used all in the New Age movement. Right. It's a descriptive word of none other than the Antichrist himself. The one sounds sort of something like something out of a Hollywood movie like The Matrix, but doesn't the Jewish Kabbalah also speak of the one? What is Kabbalah and how is it connected to Andreessen's story? Jewish Kabbalah is probably the most mystical, nonsensical, misunderstood, the most difficult religion in the entire world. Jewish scholars who've studied it all their life, who say they're the only ones qualified to even study it, cannot tell you exactly what the mysticism of the Kabbalah is all about. But basically, it's this. It's everything that God told the Jews not to learn from the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Babylonians, he told them not to go in and learn their religion, but they did. And they incorporated it into the stories of the Old Testament. And they have this mystical meaning of the Old Testament that does not match what the Old Testament says. But basically, the idea of 
the Big Bang Theory in physics, describing the creation of the universe, how it was a small point of matter, and it exploded throughout time and created all the worlds and so on. That idea didn't come from physics. It came from the Kabbalah, mm. because the Kabbalah teaches that God, or the original creator God, who they call Adam Kadmon, in the process of creating the universe, exploded. He became so bright and so powerful that he exploded, just like the Big Bang, and that pieces of this Adam Kadmon, this the one, they call him, the supreme being, is embodied in every atom, every molecule, every creature, every person, every angel, every spirit in the universe. Edgar Mitchell, the sixth man to walk on the moon, he always signed his letters that way. He's now dead and deceased. A PhD scientist, on his way back from the Apollo 14 mission, on the way back from the moon, has what's called a Samadhi experience, S-A-M-A-H-D-I. He's sitting there looking at the universe through the glass of Apollo 14. And he says, instantly, I realized that my molecules in my body were all part of the earth that I came from, which were part of the original mass of the solar system, which were part of the original mass that made up the entire universe. Therefore, I am one with everything in the universe. So here's this PhD logical scientist who has a Hindu spiritual experience. There is no doubt, James, that there was a spirit that entered into Edgar Mitchell on that day that convinced him in his inner being that he was actually as much God as God himself was, because he now saw himself as being one and equal with God. And if I were to say anything about the message of Betty Andreessen, is that it's the exact same thing. That through her experience with the one, and coming back to earth and telling mankind about what she saw and what she experienced, she honestly believes that she is doing God's work in trying to bring everybody to the understanding that we, everybody and every little thing, every ant, every molecule in the universe, is all one substance, and it will be brought together one day to become one again, and we'll all be joined together, and everything will be fine. We know that as the reign of the Antichrist in the book of Revelation. If you're just joining us today, my guest is Pastor Michael Hoggard. We're talking about his new DVD called The Phoenix Affair. There are over six hours of explosive teaching on this DVD. It's phenomenal. You can get a copy of it right now by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. Pastor Mike, Betty Andreessen says that she had an experience during one of her abductions with a bird coming out of the fire, sort of like a phoenix. Now, for those who are not familiar with a phoenix, what exactly is a phoenix? A phoenix is a mythical bird, and let me explain this. In the language of the scriptures, anytime you see a bird 
Like in the parable of the seed and the sower, when Jesus said the fowl of the air came down to devour the seed, when he then explains it, it's Satan or the wicked one or the devil coming down and devouring the word. And so birds themselves, both in the Bible and in the occult realm, represent gods, they represent spirits, they represent flying ones that have power, the prince of the power of the air, in other words. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 2, which is the spirit that now controls everybody in the world. So this mythical bird of the phoenix, the idea is that every 500 years, the phoenix, in order to regenerate itself, would build a nest out of myrrh and different spices. Myrrh is interesting because that was one of the gifts given to Christ. It would build a nest of this. It would ignite it on fire. It would dive into the fire and let the fire consume it. And then out of the fire, once the ashes died down, a worm would be created out of those ashes and crawl out of the fire and then grow back to be this phoenix bird again. The symbolism, obviously, of the phoenix is that of regeneration, rebirth, resurrection, or reincarnation. So anybody who believes in reincarnation, they believe that when they go from one life to the next, that they're experiencing basically a phoenix resurrection. They go into the ground, to the lower parts of the earth, hell in other words, and then they're reborn, literally out of hell, and are reborn into a higher life form. Here's what Betty Andreessen said very quickly. She said, she's standing here, she sees a very large bird. She said, it is incredibly hot. She said, it looks like an eagle to her. She said, there's this white, bright light behind it, but the bird is covering the light. To me, that was interesting. And she's telling this under hypnosis. She says, I'm just standing in front of it. It is so hot. The bird, the feathers are just fluffed out. The light seems so bright. And she keeps blowing her breath out because she literally is, she feels like she's on fire. And she says, I see gold. I see gold specks flying around, little tiny gold specks. Oh, it's hot. And she says, they keep on getting hotter and hotter. The rays keep on getting brighter and brighter. And then she says, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm hot. Help me. Oh, and she cries out. And at that point, she begins to scream in pain. And she says, take me out of it, take me out of it. God, take me out of it. I can't feel my hand. She felt like she was on fire. And brother, I've seen people at Pentecostal or charismatic conferences where these men were calling fire down from heaven and people everywhere literally felt like their entire bodies was on fire. And brother, we know that's not what they experienced at Pentecost. But anyway, once the fire got to its hottest, this 15-foot bird went down into the flames, was transformed into a worm, and I'm reading this again for the first time. I already knew the stories of the phoenix, and when I read this, I couldn't believe my eyes, and she literally believes that she went through a ritualistic initiation. That was her born-again experience was to initiate her into the mysticism of the phoenix to carry forth the message, basically, of the Antichrist in the last days. 
We've been visiting with Pastor Michael Hoggard about his six-hour teaching DVD, The Phoenix Affair. Brother Mike, thanks so much. I know you have more dynamic teachings on this subject. I hope you'll come back again on The Watchman on the Wall. Looking forward to it. Michael Hoggard's in-depth look into claims of alien encounters are found in The Phoenix Affair. Get The Phoenix Affair DVD by calling 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online swrc.com. Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill offers an important reminder from Psalm 46 about the Lord being our strength and safety. Hello, my friend. I have the opportunity to share from God's Word today. It's my pleasure to do so. I'm going to be looking in Psalm 46, and we're going to spend a little time in God's Word. And we'll take a look, but I really wouldn't call it much of a study. Some days I think I'm a student of God's Word, and other days I think I'm a passive hearer. I think it's best to be a student of God's Word, if you can be that. I enjoy God's Word because God's Word is so important and impactful as it relates to each of us. God's Word teaches us about ourselves and about God Almighty. And I'm very thankful every time I have the opportunity to learn something, anything, about God's Word. Beginning at verse 1, Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried away into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake and the swelling thereof, Selah, There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, and he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come now, behold the works of the Lord. What? Desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. 
he burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. God's word has such importance for each one of us. Each of us must take that word and apply it to ourselves. I can't apply the word to you, nor can you apply it to me, but we can spend time and apply it to ourselves. It is amazing and remarkable to me to see God at work with his word, especially when I get into the Psalms and I see what God is doing with his word as he speaks specifically to the very moment. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Is God important to you, my friend? (laughs) I think he is. I think he's very important to you. And I think he's very important to you right now. When we think of God and his working in our lives, we can do no other thing then stand by in awe and in reverence look upon the Lord's handiwork. And we can see what God himself is doing for us and to us and in us and through us. (laughs) God is still on the throne (laughs) and prayer changes things, how true that is to this very day. God's word is so important. It has never been any more important than it is in these days. My friend, have you been spending time in God's word? If not, why not? Today would be a good time for you to spend time in God's Word. Let's do so together. Today, we have Michael Hoggard's in-depth look into claims of alien encounters in The Phoenix Affair. This DVD has over six hours of teaching and analysis. Get your copy of The Phoenix Affair by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Cancer. It is one of the scariest words to hear. If you or a loved one is going through the battle of cancer, Be sure to tune in to tomorrow's Watchman on the Wall for encouragement and hope by God's grace. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. 
Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.